this is Chris Sorensen. Welcome to Brookville Road Community Church Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please take a moment to check out our website at brookvilleroad.cc for all the latest information about what's going on at Community Church. I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in becoming a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. Well, it's so good to be able to worship with you today. My name's Chris. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Whether you're here in the room or watching online, I want to welcome you. And I just want to mention, next week when we get together, Pastor Andy's going to be bringing the message next week, and he's going to be talking about anxiety. And so uh, he's going to be in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Uh, thank you, Pastor Jay. Uh, 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxieties on him, for he cares for you. And the reason that I mention this is, at the end of the service, uh, Pastor Andy's going to invite you to, to bring something forward and just kind of lay it at the altar. Maybe something that represents some of your anxieties, some of the things that, that you've been going through, just as a way of expressing that I'm giving this over to the Lord. I'm giving him my anxiety. So we want to tell you ahead of time so that you can come prepared because we're not going to pass anything out. So be thinking ahead what, what you kind of want to lay down and, and you can talk to Andy whether or not you, you want to pick that thing back up later uh, and take it with you. I'm thinking about maybe bringing a bowling ball. I don't know. Uh, some of you may be elbowing one another and you're like, hey, maybe we can get rid of that couch. Um, so I don't know. That might not be the best thing. But anyway, think through my, what you might want to bring forward next week. Like I'm giving this to the Lord. I'm giving this anxiety over to him. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to conclude a series that we've been in called Courage. I just thought it'd be a good thing for us to do with, with fear, just kind of engulfing uh, our, our nation, engulfing us to kind of think about, okay, what does it take to have courage and to live out our Christian faith? And so today we're going to wrap this up uh, with a title called Contagious Courage, and I know it, it, that may be a little insensitive, perhaps, but I, I want us to think about how we can be contagious Christians. Uh, in the book Contagious Christianity, it gives this equation for helping us to pass our faith along to others. Uh, the equation goes like this: it, it's high potency plus uh, close proximity plus clear communication equals maximum impact. So, so in other words, uh, if, if we have been transformed and changed by Jesus Christ, and if we have close relationships with people who do not yet know him, who aren't Christians, and if we communicate the gospel clearly and plainly, then we should see lives changed as a result and people coming to Christ all around us. Now, ultimately, we realize that it is God who calls, who, who redeems. And we recognize the fact that no matter how contagious we may be in our Christianity, that there will be some people who just refuse Christ. The, the, the gospel is offensive. The cross is offensive to them. There are some people who, who just prefer to avoid the light and live in the dark. But the problem is, for, for some Christians, the problem is, as believers, some Christians turn other people off to Christianity. Uh, and, and maybe that's your deal. Maybe you're here and you're not a Christian or you're watching online right now and you're like, yep, that's my deal. That's the reason I've not yet jumped both feet into Christianity because I know some Christians and I don't want any part of that. They, they give Christianity a bad name. It was C.S. Lewis who joked one time who said uh, he would prefer heaven for climate and hell for company. So evidently, you know, he didn't like being around Christians. You, you may know some Christians who make Christianity look bad. And that's not the case. That if we are causing people to, to push away from Christ because they watch our lives, we're doing it wrong. 
We're not doing it right. In fact, Christ said, you, you are to be salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how we can be contagious Christians. And we're going to be in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, I've been covering 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and 5, and we're going to wrap up chapter 5 today, verses 11 through 21. And Paul is talking about how you and I can, in effect, be contagious Christians, representatives for Christ to the world around us. And kind of our theme verse would be verse 20, where it says there, therefore, as ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And so today we're going to see four things. Uh, each of these messages had four things because, it's, you know, we're always giving three. So I thought, well, we'll throw in a bonus. So four things today, four words that we're going to look at, they're going to help us uh, make Christianity contagious. First word is this. The first word is transparency. Transparency. So if you would open your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, or turn your Bible on, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 11. If we are going to be contagious Christians, we should be transparent about the fact that we are Christians and that we want to see other people begin to follow Jesus Christ. This is what we read, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 11. I'm reading from the ESV. Therefore, knowing the fear of of the Lord. Now the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the fear of the Lord is this knowledge that he is the creator of all things, that he is supreme, that he is the sustainer of all things, that he is in control of everything. And we have this fear, this holy awe, this understanding that he is sovereign and he's in charge of me and my life and everything in the world. And because of that fear, because of the knowledge of God, we then persuade. Look, it says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. And we're going to come back to this word persuade. We persuade others. But what we are is known to God. And I hope it's known also to your conscience. That word persuade, he said we persuade people. Persuade, that, that doesn't mean that we force people. It doesn't mean that, that we're going to force somebody to believe. It, it means that we're going to look to convince, to inspire, to influence somebody. A lot of times the world will look at us as Christians and they'll say, why are you always trying to persuade other people that you're right? Why, why is it you're trying to persuade other people and other religions to follow Christ? Why are you Christians persuading or trying to, to influence your values on others? Well, there's a couple of reasons why we would try and encourage people to follow Jesus Christ. The reason that we would want to invite people into Christianity is, number one, Jesus commanded us to. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. And the second reason that we would want to is because he, he's given not just a command, but it's human nature to share good news. I mean, when you, when you have good news, you just want to share it with other people. Have you ever noticed that if you, if you have something wrong, right? Somebody, it, they'll come out of the woodwork like with a remedy. Like here, here's something you can do for your cold. Here, here's something you can do for your aching back. Uh, I, I have a thing. If people come to me and they got like sinus issues, I've got a remedy that I'd be happy to give you. Like I will tell everybody. It's worked for me for two years. I'm more than happy to share that kind of information. And what we know as followers of Jesus Christ is that he has cured us of sin, right? He has conquered the grave and he has given us a meaningful life. And because we have all of that and he has brought us joy, we want to share with others. We want others to know the remedy for sin and what it means to have life 
in him. And if we're not sharing that kind of thing, it either means we don't believe it or we just simply don't love others enough to share this good news with them. So we want to persuade and we want to be open with this. We want to be transparent. Paul, the person writing this, he was transparent as he was sharing his faith. In fact, there's one account. You can turn there if you want. I'm going to go to Acts chapter 26. I'll just kind of paraphrase it. Paul was in prison in Caesarea. Uh, and when he was in prison there, uh, the, the kind of the governor at the time was Felix, and then Felix was replaced by Festus, and Festus brought in King Agrippa. And King Agrippa came in, and uh, they, Agrippa was going to hear from Paul, and he was supposed to give a defense on why he was, he was a rebel. And so King Agrippa asked Paul to defend himself. And so Paul takes the witness stand and he starts telling King Agrippa, like, I wasn't a believer before. I didn't believe in Jesus until I was on the road to Damascus and I saw Jesus and my life was changed. And then verse 26 or so, he he basically looks at Agrippa. He says, Agrippa, you, you know these things because they've not been done in a corner. And then Paul says, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. And then King Agrippa said, He said this, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? And in that moment, Paul didn't say, oh, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to persuade you to be a Christian. He didn't say, you know, if your religion's working for you, that's good enough. He didn't say, look, you're you're a nice guy, King Agrippa. You'll probably go to heaven because, well, we'll just assume that good people go there. No, Paul didn't say that. He said, short time or long, I pray that not only you, but everybody in this room who's listening right now may become as I am, except for these chains. Paul was transparent. He didn't fake it. He loved people enough to go ahead and share the gospel unashamed to let them know that they needed a savior. So I would say, let's not pretend. If we're going to be contagious Christians, let's not hide our light under a bushel. Remember that little tune that we used to sing? Let's not hide that light. Let's go ahead and share with other people. Let's not sneak up on them with the gospel and just like ambush them. We don't need to drop like, you know, that $100 fake bill tract and then just kind of walk away and let it do its magic work, whatever it might be. Let's not uh, soft pedal the gospel. Let's not tell people, you know, it's not challenging. Let's not disguise the very potential danger of following Jesus Christ. Let's not sugarcoat the gospel and say, well, there's not really sin to be atoned for. You don't have to worry about that. No, let's go ahead. Let's be bold. Let's be transparent as believers. We very much are trying to lead people to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's what we're doing here. That's why we gather. So when people come in, we're not hiding the fact that they're a sinner in need of a savior. And one, one of my philosophies of, of doing ministry is I love for us to be welcoming and encouraging. And like, let's make it comfortable, right? Like, let's invite people and smile at them as soon as they pull in the parking. You know, we can't shake their hand right now, but, you know, just like, hey, it's good to see you. Let's have them sit down in a nice chair that has padding and get it climate controlled in here. Temperature okay today, right? I mean, are, are we okay? Let's make them as comfortable as possible because in a moment, they're going to get uncomfortable when they hear the gospel, that they are a sinner in need of a savior. So everything leading up to that, enjoy your coffee, whatever it might be, but just realize this, there is a savior for your sin condition. His name is Jesus, you can know him, cure you of your sin, find meaning and life and eternal life in him. That's what we do and we don't hide it. We're doing everything that we can 
to spread that good news today online. Build a building, invite more people in. Share the good news of Jesus Christ. Be transparent. In order to be contagious, Christians should be transparent, not just in our intentions, but in our behavior. Look at the next verse, verse 12. We're not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. Too often in in Christianity and in the world in general, we hide, we pretend, we we wear a mask. Let's kind of play this mask thing out all the way, all right? Here we are, we're wearing masks. Some of us wearing them, some of us not right now. But I don't even want to get into the politics of masks. But why is it that we are being told right now to wear masks? Because we may be contagious, they say. So put on your mask. What I'm saying to us as Christians is if we want to be contagious, take the mask off. I'm not talking literally right now. I am talking in our, you can take it off if you want. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about like in the way that we live our lives. If we are authentic believers living as just human beings with real life struggles and challenges and questions and we begin to let the world know of our authenticity, some of the struggles that we have when it comes to faith, the challenges that we have in our homes, I believe that that kind of authenticity then becomes contagious to the world around us when we say we don't have it all together, we are not perfect, but we know the perfect one who is changing us and transforming us and making us more and more whole as he is holy. If Christianity is going to become contagious around us, then you and I, we need to be transparent that we are lovers of Jesus Christ. He is our friend and we want you to know him as well. The second word is enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. If we want to make Christianity contagious, we must be intense in our efforts in spreading and representing this truth. Look at the next verse. For if we are beside ourselves, if we're beside ourselves, it's for God. If we're in our right mind, it's for you. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Now, Paul starts out and he says, if we're beside ourselves, like if people are looking at us and it appears like, man, you are, you are out of your mind. You are, you're just beside yourself with this understanding of what you're talking about when it comes to Christianity. It's enthusiasm. And enthusiasm, I believe, is contagious. It inspires. It motivates. Uh, Enthusiasm doesn't necessarily mean that we're loud and boisterous, but it does mean that we have a bit of passion, that we're intense. It, It means that what we have is just this energetic focus on what God has done in our lives. Now, here's what I love about the word enthusiasm. Enthusiasm comes from two Greek words, and I studied Greek in, in college, so that's why I'm excited about because I, I know these things. So the word en in enthusiasm, E-N, that means dwelling. Enthusiasm comes from the root word theos. What's theos? God, right? Theology, study of God, in, dwelling, theos, dwelling in God. You cannot dwell in God and not be enthused. 
you cannot know the gospel and not be intense about it. I mean, if you really understand the good news, and I'm not just talking about when I'm talking to enthuse, I'm, I'm not talking like it looks like Chris has had too much coffee this morning, which I have. I'm talking about something on the inside of us. Like we get it. Like we get it. I realize that I have Christ and that's better than winning the lottery. I mean, you might think, man, it'd be nice if Publishers Clearinghouse would walk up, knock on my door, and here's your seven grand a week for life. Or maybe, hey, I won the Powerball, didn't even play it, which is a miracle, right? I won. How long is that going to last? Well, until you're dead, then it's all gone. But what we have in Christ is eternal life. Like we have been forgiven, washed, made new life with God throughout all of eternity. Better than the lottery. I don't know if you know that. I mean, do you know that? This is good news. And there's a bit of enthusiasm that comes with that. Again, in Acts 26, Paul's standing there before King Agrippa, and he's like telling people about his faith. He's transparent. He's a bit enthused. He's so enthused that Governor uh, Festus says this in verse 24. He says, Paul, you're out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul said, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I'm speaking true and rational words. So intense Christians who like understand the gospel and what God has done to transform us on the inside, we may look a little weird to the world around us who has yet to understand this good news. But if this message is true, then the Christian is the only one in their right mind. The love of Christ then, it compels us to share this good news with other people around us in in such a way that there's an enthusiasm, there's an intensity, regardless of the reaction that we're getting from somebody else, right? It, It is just good news. And it comes automatically when we begin to internalize what God has done for us through Christ. And again, I'm not just talking about like your little hyper. I'm talking about a passion, When was the last time that you just weeped? You wept over somebody to receive salvation, to come to know Christ with a bit of passion. This is what it says in Acts 20. Remember, Paul says, remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Enthusiasm. Entheos, dwelling in God. We're gonna make Christianity contagious. And have the courage to do so. We're going to need to be transparent. We're going to need to have a bit of the enthusiasm that God gives to us through his spirit. The third word is the word perceptive. We can make Christianity contagious if we're perceptive about the potential of people. That God has to place inside of them something different. Watch this. From now on, verse 16. From now on, Paul says, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. What does that mean? Well, to regard somebody according to the flesh is just simply by looking at their exterior, right? It means we aren't going to regard somebody based on bigotry or prejudice, and it's a shame that we've got to talk about those kinds of things because we're not really interested in things of the flesh. It might mean that you look at somebody with, with favoritism, you're looking at the flesh and, and what they have, like, oh, they, they have some wealth, they're in that class, or they don't have wealth and they're in that class. We, we no longer look at those external kinds of things, he says, even though we once even regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, Paul says, if 
anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So what the world does, and they do it really well, is they begin to look at all of the externals. They, they look at the, the trappings of this life and they begin to evaluate that way. So like if you're rich, if you're good looking, uh, if you've got some political power, you're famous, well then, yeah, the world values you. You don't have those things, you're not really worth that much to the world and they ignore you. In verse 12, we read that the world looks at externals and they really don't care about anything going on on the inside in the heart. And in fact, right here, Paul had just said the way that he was looking at Jesus was he didn't really have very many you know, impressive worldly credentials. But Paul began to see it differently. And if we're going to make Christianity contagious, it's important that we see people not on externals, but on their heart. It's important that we don't see possessions, but we see potential. That's what was so wonderful about Jesus. He looked at everybody at what they could become rather than what they had or who they were. I mean, who who would have ever guessed that Peter... That Peter would have become a rock-like leader. Who would have ever guessed that you know, the persecutor Saul would become the preacher Paul? Who would have ever guessed that Zacchaeus would invite Jesus over for dinner and then he would wind up being one of the most generous people ever? Who would have ever imagined that the demon-possessed Mary Magdalene would be the very first person to witness the resurrected Christ? Who would have ever thought that a, a, a sinful woman standing at a well would become an, an effective evangelist for her whole community? What the Pharisees saw, what they saw was, you know, tax collectors and sinners, but what Jesus saw was forgiven disciples and transformed friends. That's the way Jesus looks at people. How do you look at people? How do you look at others around you? Are you judging by the, the external? Right? Do you just get to the place of, of skin color or, or social status or where they live? What is it that you see? And let me just encourage you know, parents and teachers and coaches, youth leaders. It's so important that when you're influencing those students and those children, that you're, you're not looking at the externals, but you're seeing the potential of what God wants to do on the inside of their lives and do the very best that you can to influence them for Christ, seeing their heart and what God wants to do in them, not the condition or the place that they find themselves in this moment. Look at verse 17 again. This would be a great verse to memorize. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And some of us in this room right now, we have come from some pretty dark places. Adulterers, liars, thieves, drunks. But God saw something different. He saw redeemed lives. And what does God do with a redeemed life? Verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ. What's an ambassador? An ambassador is somebody who is a citizen of one country, but they move to a different country to represent the country that they're from. You and I, were citizens of heaven. 
We're not yet residents there. One day we'll be a resident there. But right now we are citizens of heaven and we are here in this world. And we, it says, are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, through us, the the former liars and thieves and adulterers and sinners and rebels against God. Him making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Transparency, enthusiasm, perceptive. The next word that we're going to find here is the word ministry. Ministry. If we, if we can make Christianity contagious, it means that we're going to be committed to the ministry that God has given to us. Back up to verse 18. All this, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. What does that mean? What is the message of reconciliation? What are we as ambassadors for Christ, people who were rebels of God, sinners separated from him, now filled with his spirit, now the appeal being made that we would represent him? What is this ministry that you and I are to carry into this world while we live here? Let me give you an example. Let's say that you have a friend. It's a couple. And they're just in huge, huge financial trouble. I mean, the the wheels have come off. They have made some really bad decisions when it comes to finances. They're repentant. It's been consumer debt. It's all laid up. There's nothing to show for it. They're $50,000 in debt. But a generous, wealthy man comes along and he says, I understand your friends are having a tough time. I want to help them out. I would like to give them $50,000 to pay off all of their debts and 50000 more so they can put it in their bank account to get them going for the future. And that man asks you, would you be willing to take this $100,000 check to your friends? And you say, well, yeah, I'll do that. I love to do that. I can't wait to go and deliver this good news and give them this check. People in this world are under a huge debt of sin. There is a huge debt that we can never, ever paid back on our own. And Satan is eager to collect what is due. Do you know what is due for sin? Do you know the payment of sin? Death. The wages of sin is death. Physical death and eternal death forever separated from God. But God has offered to pay that debt in full through his son Jesus Christ on the cross. He offers to do that. And not only does he pay our debt, but he imputes, he gives to us his righteousness. In fact, at the cross, it's a double imputation, theology word for the day. We have our sin imputed, given to Jesus Christ, and he imputes, gives to us his righteousness. That's what verse 21 is all about. For our sake, he made him, speaking of Jesus, he made him to be sin who knew no sin that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Isn't that good? Isn't that great? We get the righteousness of God, having this huge debt of sin that we can never ever pay on our own, and God's gonna wipe that clean. And not just that, here's some righteousness for you, the righteousness of my son, Jesus Christ, given to you to seal you, keep you for all of eternity so that you can know me. And now, 
It is our ministry, your ministry, to bring that good news to those who are at odds with God so that they can now experience the peace and reconciliation of Christ in their lives. And we're called to share that message. And it's not an obligation. It's a privilege. It is a privilege to share that good news. God communicates his message through our ministry of reconciliation. That's why it's so important that we communicate the gospel clearly and plainly and accurately. We are ambassadors. We're not negotiators. We are witnesses. We're not lawyers arguing people in the kingdom. We are telling them, this is what God has done in my life. He has cured my sin, risen from the grave. He has given me meaning. I know him and my life is secure in him for eternity. And when we understand this ministry, we do everything that we can to represent him favorably as Christians. And Christianity becomes contagious. We're not going to influence people through political power. You don't influence people through intimidating or bloody crusades or boycotts or shaming. Christianity becomes contagious when we regard it as a ministry. And what's ministry? Ministry means to care for another, to give attention to another, maybe even to give preference for another out of love. It means a minister is one who is like Jesus, who came to serve and not to be served. And he calls you and me to be ambassadors, to be contagious, as contagious as possible. That means having some transparency in our lives, being enthusiastic about what God is doing in our lives at this very moment. It means that we would be perceptive about the the potential of people that God has for them and that we would have this ministry that has been given to us that we operate out of love. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you that we've, as we've just worked through two short chapters in 2 Corinthians, you have revealed yourself to us once again. Lord, I pray that anything that was shared today that's of Chris, that goes away. People can forget my name, but they, please don't let them forget you. And what you are wanting to do in their lives to transform them from the inside out. Thank you for our Savior. Thank you for taking our sin and placing it on Christ. Thank you for taking his righteousness and depositing it into our account. Lord, may this truth, may the good news of the gospel just well up in us as we live a transparent life and we are so enthused, so pleased to be dwelling in you and long to communicate that to others. So Father, we need your help to do it. We pray that you would lead us, that you would guide us through the power of your spirit. Thank you for what you want to do through our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love for you to join us at one of our weekend worship services. For service times and information about BRCC, be sure to check out brookvilleroad.cc. God bless you.